What a wonderful song to talk about our joy being full. That's how I feel in this moment, uh, looking at this beautiful church. I, and let me just say, I mean, I, I'm guessing you understand this, but wow. Uh, God doesn't do this everywhere. I think you understand that. And we're so thankful. I think last year at this time, we had a chance to visit uh, back in the Drainsville site. And I think we kind of knew at that time, with all the projections, that was going to be the last time we probably, uh, for our family, would be there. And there were so many wonderful memories in that place. And I think I thought that I would be really sad when we came to the new building and thinking about the old memories. And the truth is, no, we have a lot of new, new memories we need to make in this building. And I think that's what life is all about, is remembering the, the blessings of the past, but being excited about the future blessings that God has in store. And I know he's got some great years ahead here at Temple. I want to acknowledge my parents, Tom and Debbie Johnson, are down here in the front. I'm so glad they came to visit uh, and be with us tonight and to see this. They've been praying for you guys as well over the years. If you would, open your Bibles this evening to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Um, I noticed in that quick <clears throat> little video I made, I made that specifically just for Temple Baptist Church, for you guys to see the hard work that the men did in the time that they were there. But I realized as I made that, and I made it very quickly, I kind of did not emphasize how important uh, Miss Janet and Miss uh, Becky were in helping Holly. It was not an easy um, situation when it came to the food. It's actually logistically one of the harder ones we've ever done. And we, we could not have fed the men that week without the help of Miss Janet and Miss Becky. And we're so thankful for their hard work. They worked just as hard as any of the men on the construction site. And some days probably even harder. Okay? Uh, that just tells you how hard they worked. And we're so thankful for them. And for those who also don't know, I didn't mention this. I'll say this briefly. We want to thank the church for all your generosity over the years. Uh, thank you for the use of the vehicle. That is very helpful for us. Thank you for generosity and supporting the mission works. Uh, but even when the group was there and neat thing kind of went on, uh, both our refrigerator and our stove stopped working in the middle of the week. And that's kind of difficult when you have 16 people come visit you. And uh, it was just my wife, she's a toughie, and they worked it out. And um, through God's grace, uh, pastor and the deacons approved to, to buy us a new refrigerator and to buy us a new stove, which is very nice. And so when you come again, I'm going to make sure my car is kind of on the fritz, because you just never, no, I'm, I'm teasing about that, that we are very, very thankful for your generosity, and it's very, very nice. Well, this evening, I'm speaking to a church that loves missions and missionaries, and I'm speaking to a, a church that's just got into this incredible building. But I think it, it's always wise sometimes in our lives to make sure that we have our priorities in the right order, because even the best of us sometimes can get things out of order. And tonight, I want to talk about the priority of the church, and we're going to start in Matthew 28. I'll be reading verses 16 through 20. <clears throat> Matthew 28, starting in verse 16 through the end of the chapter. The Bible says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me into heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. Let's pray this evening. Heavenly Father, in these brief moments that we have, Lord, I pray you would help us 
get rid of the distractions the week to come or maybe the previous week. And through your Holy Spirit, allow us to see not only your word, Lord, but what it means to us today. Help us apply it to our own personal lives, Lord. Help us apply it to our church life. And Lord, help us be about your business, making disciples of all nations. Lord, thank you for your word, and specifically in areas of Scripture where it's very clear. But even with the clarity, Lord, help us do the obedience. Help us be doing your work. Lord, I thank you for this church. I pray you continue to bless it and bless this new building for your glory. And we ask this in your name. Amen. If you were to ask the average church member today what they thought the primary purpose of the church is, you might get a wide array of answers. Some might respond and say it's worship. The, the lifting of our voice unto the Lord, our praises, the preaching of his word, or specifically in the area of singing, worship unto him. Uh, some people feel like that is the primary purpose of their church. Others think it's the, uh, the receiving and preaching and teaching of the knowledge of God's word, the faithful preaching of his word. That, that's the primary purpose of a good Bible church. Others might think it is uh, the fellowship of the believers, Thinking that that ecclesia, that called out believers, that body of Jesus Christ, when they gather together exclusively for the purpose of encouraging one another in their common faith and their common love for Jesus Christ. And although all those answers are truly biblical and should be characteristics of every Bible-believing church, together and separate, they don't fully emphasize the primary purpose of the Lord's church. Now, I believe we all understand, those who are believers, that God has created us for one purpose, and that purpose is to glorify Him in our lives. So, as a church, as a a called-out assembly of believers, how can we truly bring glory to God? Well, I believe the Scripture is very clear, especially in this passage, what we call the Great Commission, that, that wonderful phrase that says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. What Christ is giving to the church there is, is our homework, is, is our call, is our commission to make disciples of all nations. Now, this has been God's plan from the very beginning. This didn't start with the church. God desired that Israel, his chosen people, his chosen nation, would reach the world. But they rejected him. They rejected their Messiah. And God turned to that great mystery known as the church. And you know, God has never been more glorified and is never more glorified than when one lost sinner is redeemed from their sins and given eternal life. I so enjoy when I'm, I have the ability and the, the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and when they gloriously get saved, I love telling that person that right then and right there, there's, like heaven, there's, a, there's a party going on in heaven with angels celebrating that their name has been written down in glory. There's never... A greater time when God is glorified than when someone places their trust in him. I love what it says in the book of 2 Peter 3, 9, where God talks about his love for the world when he says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. It's saying God is never not faithful in this area, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. But notice this. I want this word always to be underlined in your Bible. But that, but that all, it's kind of hard to get around that word, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's desire that all would come to repentance. Paul, as he was writing young Timothy in the faith, uh, 1 Timothy 
once again, talking about God's desire for the nations, for the world, he says, who will all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is God's greatest desire for mankind. And it's the greatest desire and primary purpose of the church is to make disciples. You know, maybe you haven't thought of it this way, but when we talk about the primary purpose of the church, if, if worship was the primary purpose of the church, do you know where the best place to worship the Lord would be? What well, would be heaven? You know, if, if that was God's primary purpose for us, he would take us straight to heaven. We could worship with him and the angels and the heavenly choir. If the primary purpose of the church was the preaching and the understanding of God's word, then right away he would have taken us to heaven because I tell you, as much as I still understand about the Bible, there's still so much I don't quite understand. But the Bible says when we get to heaven, the instant we get to heaven, we will understand all. If it was fellowship, once again, what greater fellowship will we have? What more perfect fellowship will we have than when we get to heaven where there's no sin and and there's there's no day, there's no night. We're just constantly with the Lord in his presence. No, friends, there's only one reason the Lord has allowed us to stay here right now, and that is to seek and to save those which are lost and to make them disciples of Jesus Christ. Worship, Bible study, fellowship, these are all wonderful and edifying things for our church, and we should be a part of our church. But do you understand there's only one ministry in this church that you cannot also do in heaven, and that is evangelize the lost and make them disciples. God wants us to do that right now. That's our primary purpose. And very briefly this evening, I'd like to share a theme, which is that the mission for every believer, the mission of every believer here in Temple Baptist Church tonight should be to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Very briefly, we're going to look at three necessary elements for every believer who would be and should be involved in making disciples for Jesus Christ. The first element we see in verse 16, and that's our availability to his call. Our availability to his call. Notice in verse 16, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. Uh, someone very wise once said, and maybe you know this, the best ability is, does anybody know? Availability. The best ability is availability. And I can't tell you how much I understand that after 14 years being a pastor and a missionary. Uh, It doesn't really matter how smart people are and how much of the Bible they understand if they're not willing and available to serve the Lord. The Lord is first looking for those people who are available to serve him. A faithful servant also doesn't concern themselves with position, but rather, what can I do to help? Are you willing to serve anywhere in this church? Are you only willing to maybe serve in a specific area? Uh, a few months ago, about six months ago, one of the faithful men in our church who was very vital to me, he opened and closed the church, he cleaned the church, he just did a lot of things, and I really didn't realize how much he did until he, he had to leave. He went to another country to get a job, and, and so for a number of months, myself and our family, we were kind of in charge of cleaning the church. We would gather other church members to help clean the church, and I remember very early on that I, by learning an example from pastor, and pastor is very good at this, I learned I better be the first one to jump in and clean the bathrooms and clean the toilets. Because if the pastor can clean the toilets, then I can ask anybody else to do it as well. And that's true. 
We should be available to do whatever the Lord wants us to do for his church, for our family. A true servant of the Lord is available to serve. Now, considering this context right here in verse 16, we see the disciples. We see the 11 disciples minus, who who are we missing? 11 disciples or minus Judas, right? And so the 11 disciples, and and we won't take time to go back through all the verses in the beginning of uh, uh, chapter 28, but if you remember, uh, in the very beginning of chapter 28, we have the resurrection. And remember, Christ is crucified, and three days later, they roll away the stone, and how many of his disciples are sitting there waiting? None. Now, if you go through the the Gospels, you see time and time again, we're studying in the book of Mark in our, in our church back in the Dominican. Time and time again, Christ is telling them the, the Son of Man is going to suffer, he's going to die, and, and the third day he's going to rise. He told them time and time again, and yet when the time came, they weren't where they were supposed to be. But yet through these verses we see, and it the Bible doesn't tell us now, but we know there were uh, several encounters with Jesus and the disciples and it doesn't say when Jesus told them or how, but he told them to specifically be at this spot on this day. And you know what? They were there. You know what that tells me? We can learn from our mistakes. I don't know how you are. There have been times when we failed. We made the mistakes. Maybe we weren't available for the Lord in the time we needed to be. But if the Lord is long-suffering with his disciples when they surrendered him, uh, they, they forsake him in his moment of truth, but yet forgave them, he'll forgive you. Maybe there's a time in your life you just really haven't given yourself over to the Lord to to serve. There's always time to serve. There's always time to be available, to get involved with making disciples. We need to understand that the Great Commission was not only given to the leadership and the, the disciples and the pastors. It was given to all the church, all the members. That's why we call it the body of Christ. There, there are many parts to the body. We all can find a spot. God has gifted us in different ways. But it's requiring that we are available to his call. He's calling every one of us to do something. The question is, are we going to get involved? This great commission to make disciples was given to all the believers. And we need to have that attitude that Isaiah had when he said, Hear my Lord, send that guy over there. No, he didn't say that. He said, here my Lord, send me. I'll go do it. I'll go do it. We need to have that spirit. Now, this is an introspective question. What about you? Are you available to God to go, to serve, to make disciples, to whomever and wherever he calls? And we're going to talk about this a little later on. God may not call you on the other side of the world, but he has a place he wants to call you to go serve him. Maybe the, the next neighborhood over, maybe the next state, country, or hemisphere. But God wants us all to be involved in this commission, going, teaching all nations. And it starts with our availability to him. But that's just the first step. That's just the first necessary element. We need to be willing to go. The second part is very important. The necessary element, number two, is our obedience to his commission. Notice in verse 19, very familiar verse. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This is the action part. This is the part where where I'm willing to go. Now the Lord says it's time to go. This is the obedience. This is us truly putting into motion 
God's plan. This is putting our feet on the pavement and moving. And once again, this wasn't something God just decided to do in the New Testament. You know, this was God's plan all along that Israel would be a light unto the nations. And they would, they would tell the word about the one true and living God, Jehovah. But now he's giving this task to us, the church. Notice there are three, verse, three words in this verse that kind of stick out. We'll, we'll really briefly go over them. The first word that kind of just jumps off the page is the word go. Go. Uh, this word in the Greek literally means to take a journey. And you know, if we're going to make disciples, we need to go. We need to go out of our comfort zone. Now, it may not be far in a distance, but we need to leave our comfort zone and go and seek after people who need to hear about him. You know, it's very difficult sometimes for missionaries to get in what we call closed countries. But 23 years ago, I remember I lived in this area. I worked in telecommunications. And many of the men I worked with were men who had left those closed countries and live here in northern Virginia. And I have to imagine 23 years, that number has only grown. Everywhere you go, you're going to meet people who have come from countries where it's very difficult to get into But now they live in a free country where you can freely tell them about Jesus Christ. The mission field has literally come to your doorstep. We don't have an excuse. We need to go. We need to tell them. Many of them have no idea what the gospel says. How much that Christ loves them. And how he died on the cross for their sin. And rose the third day so that they may have an eternity in heaven. When was the last time you purposely went out to tell someone what Jesus has done for you and to have them consider giving their life to him. For many of us, it may have been quite some time. For many of you, it may never. But that's the joy. That's the wonderful thing we have. We still have time to go. When we see this building, we see it's a wonderful crowd tonight, but you know what? There's still some empty seats. Still some empty seats. And I know how pastor is. If you fill them up, he'll get another plan. You know, it is a joy for me to see the Lord filling up every church that we have. But just since the team has left, there are two young men who have come into our church. And two of them specifically both kind of maybe have the idea that the Lord might call them in the area of being a pastor. Got to get some more mission trips. Got to buy some more property. A pastor's got a story about Brother Randy Alderman. He buys the property before he even has the, the, the preachers because he just trusts the Lord. That's, that, we, we got to keep going forward. We need to keep going, going, going until the Lord calls us home. But when we go, that's great. Availability, that's great. Going is great. When we get there, what do we do? Well, that second word jumps off the page too. It says teach. Now, this seems kind of obvious, talking about making disciples, but it's literally quite important. It's the most important part about discipleship, making disciples, is literally teaching them God's word. Uh, one believer A mature believer imparting biblical knowledge to another believer is really the only way to make a disciple. And let me tell you something. This time can be tedious. This time can be time-consuming. It is not something that is quick. Oftentimes, disciples will fail you or they'll they'll fall back. We have to be patient with them. I'm a a father. Many of you are fathers. Uh, I know Holly worked very diligently with the kids. You know, what have been in the first week of potty training the kids weren't getting and she's like that's it we're done with this guy no you need to be faithful you need to be patient and you need to put 
much dedication into it, but it's worth it. When was the last time you spent personal Bible study conveying God's truth from one believer to another? Now, this can be done in many ways. This can be done through a Sunday school. I'm thankful for all the Sunday school teachers I had here at Temple. Uh, this can be through a, a specific discipleship ministry. This can be through mentoring. Many of the men here, when I was going through life struggles, uh, times where I needed to just trust the Lord, I'm thankful for the men who are just mentors in my life. Good examples. We need to be disciple makers. And disciples are only made through the teaching of God's word. But the third word that jumps off the page here in verse 19 is the going, is the teaching. But who, who are we to teach? Well, it says all, what's the second, next word? Nations. All nations. That word nations is a wonderful word. It's etnos. It doesn't just mean one sovereign nation. Really, the word etnos means uh, people groups. People groups. The, the group who came with us, uh, came to visit us in January, saw that within Pastor Elias's church, there are two distinct people groups. There are the Dominicans, and then there are the Haitians. So what what Christ is saying here, or what Christ is saying to the disciples, is that we need to go make disciples of every single people group. When we went in 2001 to the, uh, Pastor Devaker's church in India, I believe there were, he mentioned in the various churches they were part of, there were over 18 different people groups, different languages within that same area of the country. Heaven is going to be a wonderful place. You know, it's, it's going to be like the Temple Baptist um, International Dinner every day. We're going to have every flavor you can imagine, I believe, next to the Dr. Pepper tree. I know about that one, okay? But that's what heaven's going to be. It's going to be every tribe, every nation, every people group. But do you know what? There are over 7,000 known languages in the world today, and less than 20% have a completed copy of God's Word. Now, we have how many different translations in our own language. Half of the world, half of the world doesn't have one, half of the language doesn't have one verse translated. That means half of the known languages do not have John 3.16 translated. We need to go. We need to teach because the nations are waiting for us. Go teach all nations. That's how we make disciples. So here comes the tough question. Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Are you going to be obedient to his commission? Now, it doesn't mean that God's necessarily going to call you to Cambodia or China or the Dominican Republic. It may mean that tomorrow he's going to call you to the next cubicle. He's going to call you to the local mini-mart. But he is calling every single one of us. We need to go, we need to teach, because all nations need to hear. Brother Brandon's father-in-law, Dr. J.B. Godfrey, every, uh, every Monday through Friday has a little program called Moments in Mission. And just, I think it was a week and a half ago, they did the testimony, a two-day uh, testimony, of Brother Alan Sutphin. And I'll keep it brief, and I know he, he's given it before, and those of you who don't know it, it's amazing. He was in the military Living for himself, having grown up in a, a godless home, and a man gave him the gospel. He didn't receive it. In fact, didn't mean much to him. Fast forward six months, a year later, he's living the life he's always dreamed of, and there's no satisfaction. And he remembered this gentleman's 
gospel presentation, and it drew him to go to buy a Bible. And he read the Bible, and he was reading it intensely, and the Lord saved his soul. And, and those of you who knew Brother Allen before he became a missionary, it's an amazing testimony of a, a wonderful wife and, and kids who love the Lord, and, and, and then at the middle of his life to, to surrender, to go to the mission field and use the talents and abilities the Lord gave. And this gentleman who gave him the gospel never knew, 28 le- years later, found out that not only did Alan get saved, but now he's going to serve the Lord. Through one time. Now, there, I imagine in a room like this, we're going to have stories just like that when we get to heaven. We'll go 40, 50, 60 years. We'll get to heaven, we'll find out, wow, I never knew. But it's our job to go. It's our job to teach because all nations need to hear. Now, lastly, this is, this is the great part of this, this commission, is that Sometimes we're given by emotion, we're available. And some of us have the duty and the love to be obedient, but very frequently in our lives, and if we're all honest, there are times of fear and times of doubt. Lastly, when we consider fulfilling this great commission, we see our trust in his companionship. Notice in verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded to you. And lo, I am with you always even until the end of the world. This third element of the Lord's commission is our trust in his promise to be with us every step of the way. I remember very vividly February 14th, 2009, and there was just this anxiousness in my stomach because this was the day we were officially going to the Dominican Republic to be missionaries. I had been many times before on survey trips, but you know, every time I went to Dulles Airport to go visit the Dominican, I had two tickets. I had the one going in and the one coming back. This time I only had one ticket. And I had a daughter and a a wife and a little daughter, one-year-old daughter. And there was a lot of anxiousness there. But this verse kept going through my mind. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And you know what? He has been with us every step of the way. He's been with us every step of the way, thick and thin, good days and bad days, and he will continue to be. And he will not only just be with us in the Dominican, he's going to be with you tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you seek out that neighbor, you seek out that friend, you seek out that coworker to tell them about him. He will be with you. What are you going to do to make disciples? If this church is going to grow, you have to make disciples. You have to be available to his call. You have to be obedient to his commission. And you have to trust, trust on the promise of his companionship. If we can do that, we don't do the work. He does the work. We're just obedient to do the task that he's called us to do. He will convert the souls. He will truly make the disciples. And we get to share with his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the clarity of your word. I pray that each and every one of us would be busy in your work, making disciples wherever you send us to whomever needs. Lord, I thank you for the dedicated servants here in this church so many years ago when I walked through the doors literally 23 years ago this month that though I had grown in my faith, I still had so far to go. I'm thankful for those who helped me become a disciple of you, a stronger disciple. And I pray now, 23 years later, Lord, 
in this wonderful, beautiful building that the purpose of this church would continue to be the same, to make, nation, to make disciples of all nations around the world. Lord, help us to fulfill your great commission. Father, thank you tonight for a reminder of your calling to all of us. Lord, we don't have to be in another country. In our area, you've brought the countries to us. If we're just faithful, the cubicle beside us, the house next door, Lord, help us to open our eyes and see the world that's lost. Help us to come and, and share the gospel with people as often as we can. Lord, I pray that you speak to hearts tonight. In your name we pray. Amen.